Ok, buenas tardes, church. <laughs> Gracias, Doug. Gracias, everybody. My name is Ines, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm one of the co-lead pastors here at the church we hope for. And we um, just started a sermon series called Moved by the Spirit. So you saw that our uh, vision statement is, we are a beloved community moved by the Spirit to follow the life, love, and justice of Jesus. And so Pastor Bobby last week was uh, preaching on uh, Acts chapter 2 and calling us into a life of repentance and returning and the receiving of the Spirit. It was a tremendous sermon. And so today I'm picking up where he left off in the receiving of the Spirit, of being moved by the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 is where we're going to be. And I think it is important that we note that uh, this, this sermon series in the book of Acts, to me, is important because uh, this, is, I'm just me, this is me just nerding out for a little bit. Just, just bear with me. But it's important for me to know and for us to know that the gospel of Luke is actually connected to the book of Acts. I know it's not in your Bible, but I think it's important, kind of fun and nerdy for me to know that the actual scroll was connected, that the gospel of Luke is connected to the gospel of Acts. Why I think it's important because, because the words of Jesus in all the gospels are important. The witness of Jesus in all the Gospels are important. But what I find is that the church historically has stood in contradiction and controversy when the words and the witness of Jesus don't match the words and the witness of the church. So it's important to know that Luke and Acts are joined together at the back of this book. Not this book, but the, this book, right? So the words of Jesus and the witness of Jesus, this, is, this, this book is the beginning and the birthing of the early church. It, they must find their expression, the words of Jesus and the witness of Jesus, in the words of the church and in the witness of the church. This, to me, is important. This, to me, is important because if we take the words of Jesus and the witness of Jesus out, we have just confetti left over. If we claim a, a justice without Jesus and a Jesus without justice from cover to cover, we have just confetti. If we take out the word righteous, righteousness, both personal righteousness and public justicia, we're just left with confetti. So it is important that Luke and Acts go together. And why it's important to me, hello, dancing with me. Her hips don't lie right here. <laughs> Pulpit's hips don't lie. Do we have another one maybe? Thank you, brother. Thank you, because I move my hands a lot. Anyways, the Holy Spirit wrote this book, in my opinion. It is called the Acts of the Apostles, but in my opinion, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It is the Acts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the eternal immigrant. It is the immigrant that is moving bodies towards one another. Thank you, hermano, amigo, compañero. Thank you. The Holy Spirit is the eternal immigrant that is moving bodies towards one another. 
If you open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47, but if you read through the book of Acts and underline any time that they say moved by the Spirit, redirected by the Spirit, and the Spirit kept them from going, and the Spirit told Peter, and the Spirit told Cornelius, you will see that these are the acts of the, of the Holy Spirit, not the apostles. But they have been moved by the Spirit because in order to follow the life, the love, and the justice of Jesus, you're going to need a Spirit. You're going to need a wind that hovers, hovers over the chaos of humanity. You're going to need a wind and a word of God in order to move us to do the things that we don't want to do. This is a border-crossing God and a boundary-breaking spirit. And if we look at, if you'll go back maybe to, uh, to our logo that Bobby designed this week, it's intentionally kind of without borders in some parts. Can you see it? Without borders because we serve a border-crossing God. And we serve a boundary-breaking spirit. The Holy Spirit in the book of Acts from Luke to Acts is always moving bodies towards one another in great disruption. This is a spirit-spoken story. This is a spirit-spoken story where the spirit is the story maker and he or she is the main character. I say she because in the Hebrew it's a feminine in, in the Old Testament and I love that about this, the breeze of the spirit. She is a strong wind that is going to move people to be caught up in this liberating love. This liberating love crosses borders. Dr. Juan Martinez, one of our beloved professors at Fuller Seminary, um, Bobby and I took him, I don't know if any other of you took him as well, but he made us read the book of Acts three times in 10 weeks and underline every time that the Holy Spirit was asking people to move and made us underline how many, how many borders were crossed in the book of Acts. So I was like, how many borders were crossed? And sure enough, You go back three times and you read it through and you see geographical borders, ethno-racial borders, gender borders, social borders, religious borders, um, all kinds of borders, orders of purification kind of borders. And the spirit here is saying that people that shouldn't hang out with each other are hanging out with each other. It is a movement of the church of Jew and Gentile, a multi-ethnic, multi-racial, multi-gender, multi-everything. They're moving towards one another, one another. In Acts chapter 2, before they make any statements of faith, before they write any doctrine on the circumcision, because that was the issue back then, you know, to clip or not to clip. Before they write any doctrinal statements about anything, about circumcision, whether you eat pork or not, do you share utensils with those people over there? Do you share utensils with Gentiles, which is what Peter says to Cornelius when he enters into his house. He's, he says, now you know I'm not supposed to be here. Whether you drink from the same water fountain as after a woman drank from that water fountain in Samaria, because you know, it's the 1950s in Samaria. Do we share the same water fountain? Who is unclean and who is clean? Before any of that happens, we get Acts 2, 42 through 47. And I'd like to read it right now. 
after Peter says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and we're talking about systemic sin as well, not just individual sin, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Bobby preached on that last week. And then we get to 3,000 souls and bodies attached to those souls were added that day and received the word to be baptized. So verse 42 says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. I have three points this morning, evening, evening. And the first one is that this is a community of belonging. That the liberating work and wind of the Spirit is moving this community before any statements of faith are ever written. They're moving, the Spirit is moving bodies towards belonging. So my first point is that love is belonging. That love is these verbs that are happening here. We're going to get to the verbs in a second. Y'all are going to help me pull out some of these words and verbs that are here. This is a community that is a traumatized community. This is a community that doesn't know how to be with each other. This is a community that has so many lines drawn in the sand across all kinds of dividing lines. They've been demonizing each other for, for decades. And this is a community that all of a sudden the Spirit is saying, y'all belong to the family of God, to the familia of God, and you belong to one another. Love is belonging, but belonging has to be learned. Just because you throw a bunch of people together doesn't mean you're going to get along. Just because you throw a bunch of different people together from different walks of life and different ideologies doesn't mean we're going to get along. I've had enough college roommates to know that. Just call it roommates alone. And just because they were throwing them in the same room as they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles, teaching to all those verbs that are happening there doesn't mean they're going to get along. See, we haven't talked about circumcision yet. We haven't talked about eating pork yet. We haven't talked about who gets to enter into the temple. Paul gets beat up later on in like chapter 20 or 21 because you brought those people into here and desecrated the sanctuary with their presence. Don't you know that those people, Paul, they're not part of our story and they're not our people. The Holy Spirit is saying, your people, it's a wider, there's no borders now. There's a wider sense of belonging because everybody belongs now. And so the Holy Spirit is disruptive to all of us, no matter who we are, no matter who we love, no matter where we have come from. 
is disruptive to all of us. I've been reading this book called This Here Flesh. I highly recommend it. Cole Arthur Riley is a poet and a pastor at heart. Uh, she happens to be a young African-American woman and I just love her poetry and the way that she says things just awakens, awakens my soul. And in the chapter on the chapter on belonging, on the chapter on belonging, it is absolutely beautiful. I want to read this quote that is up there, uh, which is, I think, is the, the opposite of what's happening here in Acts 2 42 through 47. I can't remember what I put up there, when I, what I have in my book, but we'll just let the Holy Spirit lead. She says, um, she says, exclusion operates by the same rule of mutuality as welcome. For it harms both the excluded and the excluder. If you are the hands, listen church, if you are the hands of exclusion for long enough, you learn acceptance only at the hands of someone else's exile. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. Because that's all of us. We all have to self-implicate in the violence of exclusion. Nobody stands on moral ground. You learn belonging as competition when you exclude, she's saying. You learn belonging as competition, not restoration. It is also a kind of restlessness for the energy that you expend forbidding others to walk through the door of community is only matched by the energy you expend competing to stay inside yourself. This is more dangerous. No one ever perceives the doorkeeper as needing an invitation themselves. I have been a doorkeeper. I mean, 20 years ago, I didn't, I didn't believe the things that I believe today. I didn't believe I could preach, teach, or be a pastor. Like, I've had to do some sort of unlearning in my life as well. None of us are done unlearning and deconstructing and reconstructing as well. Belonging, she says, this is not up there. Belonging, by default, isn't the worst thing, but there is something to being chosen that is uniquely healing. It communicates to the soul that one is desired, not passively, but with an active longing. A longing that has moved someone to do something about it. A longing that has moved someone to include you. She says that Jesus was always making belonging he was always creating belonging for himself because he was always inviting himself into people's homes. Like, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm having dinner at your house tonight. He was always inviting belonging. We need other people to see our faces, she says, to bear witness to their beauty and truth. God has made it so that I can never truly know myself apart from another person. I cannot trust myself to describe the curve of my nose because I've never seen it. I want someone to bear witness to my face that we could behold the image of God in one another and believe it on one another's behalf. She's saying, I need you to say that I am Imago Dei. Audre Lorde said, without community, there is no liberation. Without community, there is no liberation. There is no promised land without a multitude. You think you can get there alone, and maybe by somewhere a chance you do, but 
what will become of the promise when it is collapsed by loneliness. It's a wonderful chapter. I could just keep reading and listening to her words. And as I think about that idea of exclusion, it's the opposite of what's happening here. This feels almost utopian, like, can this really happen? It is, right? It is, Doug. It feels a little bit like, can that really happen? And all these things, like, at the same time? You know, the, the, the cynic in me questions, like, can that really happen? All these things at the same time? But I can say that I have experienced that on the small levels of community when others have truly seen me. So love is belonging. Love is a community that it's like awkwardly bumping into one another and trying to figure out how to be together, how to be loved together, how to belong together and have our anemic imaginations expanded by our bodies. Because I don't look like you, you don't look like me. You haven't had the life experiences that I have had and I haven't had yours and your body is sacred and it's a sacred text. Just like this. Just like this, your body is a sacred text. So this is a community of belonging and love is belonging. The second thing is that love is a verb. I don't know if there's any teachers here in the crowd, but we could pull out all the, the verbs that are here, but y'all know that I love my Spanish Bible a lot. Y'all know that I love Juan Uno Uno, where it says, in the beginning was the verb, and the verb was with God, and the verb was God. Your English Bible says, in the beginning was the word. Pero el español dice, en el principio era el verbo, y el verbo era con Dios, y el verbo era Dios. The verbs of Jesus are as important as the words of Jesus. Love is a verb. And this community is verbing together. Marion, you're an English major, aren't you? I should, I should call you up here with a, with a borrador and start writing the verbs, right? Okay, be ready, Marion. On any moment, I may have to ask for your help. They are verbing together how to be together. And notice that the place of presence here. I mean, they do meet in the temple at times, but the, the place where all these verbs are happening is outside of the temple, outside of the place of power. Bodies now are not encouraged necessarily to just only go into the temple. They're in each other's homes to create home. I love that. This church actually started in a home at Jasmine Andre White's home, and they said, "This is our house. This is not. Uh, this is not ours. This is like the collective hour. The bodies are now holding the presence of the resurrected Christ because they're trying to figure out who to be, Jew and Gentile together. What about all the lines? What about all the margins and all the boxes and boundaries? And we always have said in this church. I think it was. I think it was Andre who said it one time and one of one of our Zoom living rooms, boxes are banned in this church. And the margins, we say, are our middle. And this week, a friend of mine reminded me, beware that you make margins within the margins. So the place of presence is now outside of the temple, and now it, it, it inhabits the bodies. The resurrected Christ is inhabiting the bodies. And there's this sort of embodied remembrance of a savior Remembering a savior who cared enough for our bodies that he dressed himself with us. 
So Jesus looks like Shirley. Jesus looks like Rochelle. Jesus looks like Alicia over there holding baby number 22. Not her own baby, but in the foster care system. Jesus looks like every one of us. If you want to see what Jesus looks like, look to your left and look to your right. Pastor Bobby told us one time. So we remember a savior. And they're trying to remember, now what did Jesus say? What did he tell us to do? That he took on a body himself. And then he also laid it down. He took up the body and then he also laid it down. The verbs are Jesus of Jesus are important. That Jesus bled, that Jesus was hungry, that Jesus was thirsty, that Jesus slept and rested, that Jesus cried out at injustice, that Jesus sweated. The verbs here are spiritual practices, I think. And when you practice something over time, especially a collective group, it reshapes the character of a community. Sarah Obermeyer was talking to us about we don't lack information in the church. We don't. We know a lot. Y'all know a lot about the Bible already. But transformation is a movement of the Spirit that requires repentance, forgiveness, restoration, reparation, right? And it includes that we self-implicate as well in our need for that. So I want you to look at the verbs here. Because if love is a verb, what are the verbs here? Here's, here are some of the ones that I wrote down. They were feeling things. Because they must somebody had to do the cooking, okay, for all this food. They were breaking bread. They were feeling things. They were eating. They were watching. They were continuing. They were expecting. They were sharing. They were selling possessions. They were breaking bread. They were praying. They were talking. They were praising. They were devoting. I want you to actually look at your Bible right now and tell me, did I miss any one of those verbs? Or would you like to add a verb that you have seen when you have been in a community of belonging? And a community just needs to be like maybe two other people. That's a community. When you have experienced the verb of God, of someone coming to you, what verbs would you add? What, what, means, what verb means belonging in your life? What verbs would you add to this community? Feeling and eating and watching and continuing, expecting and sharing. If we were in the Zoom chat, I know y'all would have answers right now. <laughs> so I'm going to pause and see if I, if I missed one. What else are they doing together? Fellowshipping. Fellowshipping. Connecting. Embracing. Ooh, touch. Important. What else? Listening. ¿Qué más? Cooking and dancing. I like to dance while I'm cooking. Yes, Jennifer. <laughs> cooking and dancing. ¿Qué más? What else? Adding. Listening. Listening. Awing. I like that. Awing. Yeah, there's like they were in awe. 
few things like just catch my eye and go, wow, I wonder. What did you say? Worshiping. Worshiping. Yes. They were dropping beats. <laughs> Andre likes to drop beats. That's right. Agreeing. What else? Giving. Giving. Sharing. Sharing. Learning. Learning. Receiving. Receiving. Who? I have a hard time receiving. <laughs> receiving. That means somebody needed help. What else? Bonding. Being sincere. Grieving and celebrating. Wow, I haven't seen that. Listening. I love that we've said it three times. Maybe we ought to be listening. <laughs> listening. Okay. Si, <Sí>, señor. <laughs> Y'all know I say the Holy Spirit has a chancla. You know? <laughs> she will comfort you and convict you. <laughs> ¿Qué más? Growing. What verbs would you add? What's a verb that someone has done to you that has just blessed you? Holding. Holding. Oh. Y'all know I like to hug and hold hands when we pray. Yes, holding. Encouraging. Encouraging. Organizing. Organizing. Thank you, AK. Championing. Oh, I like that one. Uplifting, supporting, accepting, challenging, accepting and challenging. Those go well together. Trusting, takes time to build trust. Trusting, que mas? Testimonials, that's right. Testimonying, storytelling. Because the spirit is the story maker, but the people are the storytellers. The people are the storytellers. They're like, let me tell you how Jesus came. Let me show you where I have seen Jesus. Yes, storytelling, testimonials, which we, we love in this church, don't we? We center them. They're the most important part of storytelling. Any other verbs that you would add to say, for me, if love is belonging and love is a verb, this is what I need in community. Laughing. Laughing. Yes. Yes. Often I have been told by mentors, you just don't need to take yourself so seriously, Miss. I know. I know, but I feel things deeply. I feel things deeply. I feel injustice deeply as well. Laughing. We need the joy in justice work, don't we? Joy is a spiritual practice as well, especially we need it in justice work. Anything else? Feeling. And haven't we been taught, like Pastor Bobby preached this on Zoom last year, that our bodies have been told they're bad, and so your feelings are bad. But God has gifted us these feelings to tell us something deeper is going on. Were you raising your hand or no? Healing? Yes, healing. These were a traumatized community. They had just seen Jesus completely naked, lacerated, and beat up. We don't see that in the passion of the Christ. I mean, trauma. Disagreeing. So there's agreeing and disagreeing. Absolutely. We'll see that in the later chapters when they're like 
fighting like, what, you, you've been eating, you, you ate pork tacos, you still stink like pork tacos. What are you doing with those people? They're not part of our people, not part of our story, they don't belong. And this Holy Spirit is a prophetic disruptor here. Thank you for amusing me because I know we are better together than what I can see. We need all of the verbs of Jesus and all of the verbs of a community in order to build community because belonging isn't automatic. Belonging is created. And a community that wants to be a beloved community where everybody belongs has to create that community. Like a community isn't just automatically safe. You make it safe. We make it safe. The more I hear and talk to Sarai about this when we were leading the Abuelita Faith Club book club, I remember you saying, we make this place safe. We make it safe by using I statements and grounding ourselves from a place of our hearts. And I appreciated that from, from our book club, Sarai. Love is a verb. Love is also solidarity. Love is solidarity. Because one of the verb, or all of the verbs, here have to do with one another. Did you notice? So God is bringing these bodies into this new created body of Christ that they don't even have language for. They don't know what they are yet. Bringing these bodies in and creating a community of solidarity. So love is belonging, love is a verb, and love is solidarity. Um, by way of update, uh, last, Sun last Thursday, Pastor Bobby and I were in the pastor's clergy uh, pod of the, the cohort called Reconcile Pasadena. For those of you who don't know, uh, we started a cohort. Uh, Rochelle is there, Sandy is there, um, Bobby, I, myself, uh, Serena. I'm missing somebody, I'm missing somebody. Sarah Dornbos, yes, thank you, Sarah Dornbos. And there are different cohorts. Uh, to learn the unjust systems that built Pasadena, and to study the history of this land. So police and incarceration, houselessness, uh, schools and kids, and the church, because the church has been complicit in building unjust systems um, and excluding. And so last Thursday, um, a community activist came, and I asked her for, for permission to share, because she, she, really, she really grabbed my heart. And I went afterwards to her and I said, I'm, I'm really tempted to ask you, what do you need me to do? Because I just want to jump in and say, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. But I think I want to ask you to just have, break bread with me and be your friend first before, before I jump in. Uh, but Esprit Jones is part of the Community Police Oversight Committee. And uh, it is a three year, uh, a committee of, of 11 people that served for, 11, for three years. And um, they, provide, um, they provide suggestions and advice and admonishment and challenge to city council. So we're learning about police and incarceration and gun violence. And she came and spoke from her heart about Anthony McLean, who was shot at La Pintoresca Park, as many of you know if you, if you are in the Pasadena area. I live in Monrovia, but I knew about this. And I was just so moved by her presentation um, that I want to keep listening and ling lingering with her definition of solidarity. And she said several things about, about Anthony McLean as we're, as we're learning how we're unpacking these unjust systems. And I was, I was really struck when she said, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear that he was in a gang. 
Because I want you to know, she said, that he was a father. And I want you to know that he had children. And I want you to know that his mother died when he was five years old. And I want you to know that his abuelita raised him. See, storytelling disrupts the patterns of our stereotypes, right? And so I lingered in and leaned into her story when she said, I want you to know that her, his grandmother died six months after he died from the grief. Just layers upon layers upon layers of pain and trauma in Anthony's life. And I was just so grateful that she humanized Anthony for me. I hadn't heard these details about his life because I was just listening to the news. And she called us as pastors, gave us a rebuke to needing to show up for the community when these events happen. In the same way that we showed up for protests uh, uh, when Ahmaud Arbery was killed and George Floyd, and those were far away from us, but to show up to La Pintoresca Park when it's one of our own. So she was speaking to the pastor's uh, pod, and she said things like, what is your heart telling you to do? She's inviting us to listen to our bodies and to listen to our hearts. She said, we have to evolve, because she talked about the stereotypes that we come come with when we hear um, news like this, that we immediately want to know the facts, right? But those facts sometimes come with a predestinated lens of stereotypes. She wanted us to understand the layers of trauma in one person, but also in one community, and not to demonize, but to humanize. She challenged us to build bridges and not burn them. She talked about the reality of how there is a lot of division and a lot of bickering between pastors and community organizers because we are territorial by nature. Ouch. We can't say amen. You can say ouch. Actually, Janelle Austin had talked about that, that uh, aspect of being territorial, but she said it again. Esprit said it again. That it's sometimes it's really hard for even community organizers and activists to get along because we all have a different idea of how to approach things. That kind of encourages me to know that we're not going to find a utopian community. We have to listen to each other. She also said, we forget how powerful we are as individuals and how powerful we are when we stick together. And then she said, this is the last thing I want to say about what she said uh, that just moved me. She said, you know, when they were, um, they were coming to the memorial, they were trying to protect the memorial, the police were trying to take away the memorial, and how we know memorials are important because it, it, it holds the pain and the grief of a community, and so they were fighting to be able to keep the memorial. She said, uh, I just couldn't believe that only like six or eight pastors maybe, was that it, Bobby? I can't remember the numbers, but it was like very low compared to how many churches there are in Pasadena who showed up to the park at the memorial. And she said, listen, you don't have to agree with everything to just show up for a protest. If you can't say amen, you can say ouch. I said ouch. I was like, oh. You don't have to agree with everything to show up to a protest because your presence dignifies someone else's presence. Your presence says Anthony mattered. Anthony was a father. Anthony had children. Apparently there's a tree that has been... Um, planted where his blood had soaked into the ground and the handprints of his children are there. I need to go, I need to go walk and go look at that tree. 
And then I also told Esprit that I want to go to her house because she and other neighbors have planted heart-shaped succulent gardens to remember the truth of what happened in that place. It's important for us to remember, and important for us to remember the truth. And I loved Esprit's spirit to remind us that you don't have to agree with everything to show up in solidarity. When you humanize someone else, when you listen to their pain three times, uh, God the Father, <laughs> God the Spirit, and, God, and Jesus said around here, love listens. Love learns. Love shows up awkwardly. It was encouraging for me to say and hear from two different organizers saying, sometimes I walk into those protests and I'm uncomfortable. And I don't have it all together and I don't have all the answers, but love listens and love learns and love shows up. How the early church was showing up for each other sounds complicated, but love is not that complicated. Leadership begins with listening. We've said that here before. And in creating a community of belonging, we have to learn how to belong to one another. It is not lost on me that she spoke that to us on Thursday night and then I believe it was Friday that we heard the news from the Supreme Court. And it's not lost on me that many of you, many of us here are feeling the weight of that. The weight of that ruling. Wherever you stand in the spectrum, I just want you to know that you're welcome here. That what you're feeling and sensing and grieving and lamenting what's triggering to you, that is welcome here in this community of belonging and love. Because love listens. And as Free said, you don't have to agree with everything just to show up in solidarity. So I was reminded even this week from Friday till today, I was, I was just, my insides have been just restless about what does this mean? What is happening, right? There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. Because love listens. And the challenge from Esprit to us about, about gun violence, about anything that the Supreme Court ruled this year, about anything else, is that we would listen to our bodies. Listen to the marginalized bodies. and Listen to the ones who are grieving. Love begins with listening. And love begins with learning. I tell you what, that, that question will get you out of a lot of trouble if you ask, can you help me understand, even if you don't understand? Can you help me understand? And I've spent a lot of time from Friday till today listening to testimonials of women. And I haven't been a pastor for 20 years to, to, to not know what our bodies as women, especially women of color, have had to go through. And I didn't work in a, at a hospital for eight years as a medical interpreter to understand our bodies and healthcare and access to resources and things that are dangerous for us. Now, I don't have it all figured out, but I, I, love doesn't have to be that complicated. The issue may be complex, but love doesn't have to be complicated. I implore you to listen. As Bree said, we all are not always going to agree, but we have to evolve. And we have to look at how Jesus always cared and protected the least of these. 
Jesus was always laying down his life. Always laying down his life. Always standing with his body in protection before another woman that was about to be stoned to death. Jesus was always putting his body on the line to protect another. Love does that. So because the ground is level at the, at the foot of the cross, I encourage us to, to listen in solidarity, to stand in solidarity, to be like water and always be evolving and growing about anything. This week I would like to create a, a safe space for women. That's one way to do it, to listen to our bodies. If you have felt anxious and agitated and restless and afraid or triggered by what happened this week, we're going to create a space. Jennifer Arias is going to help me. Nicola Patton, Doctora Jennifer Arias, yes and amen, who is a psychologist. And we're going to create a safe space for women only to come and listen to our bodies. A place where we can name the grief, we can honor it, and we can hold it together in a community of belonging, a community of verbing, and in a community of solidarity as we continue to evolve and grow. So I don't have a pretty way to end this sermon because this community, when context changes, practices change over time. This is a thousand years old document that we're reading, but I believe it still has authority over my life that the life of Jesus and the love of Jesus and the justice of Jesus still has authority over my life. And so as I look at this community, I wonder what the word is for us. And so I humbly bring you that this community of belonging teaches me about belonging, about verbing, and about solidarity, and that it is still a community that can speak to us today, even in these moments of pain. I encourage you, because the, the, the pain is so wide, so nationwide, so global as well, about many things, but specifically this week as well, to not be overwhelmed by your um, circle of concern, because my concern about a lot of things is really wide, but think about your circle that of shalom right around you. Check on your friends. Check on your amigas, on your hermanas, on your neighbors, on, on the person that serves you food or sells your food or your friends, your professors, your teachers, your daycare work. Check on them and say, how are you doing? Love doesn't have to be complicated. The, the issues can be very complex. Love and showing up doesn't have to be complicated. I don't have an answer to everything. I am not Jesus. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. But it is our responsibility as faith leaders, and every person in this church is a leader, to help define reality for people, and to help hold the hard realities that people are facing. And so, God our Father and God our Mother, you who parent us with paternal instincts and motherly instincts, God, I ask that you would draw near to our bodies, knowing that different bodies carry different burdens. This week and every week, it's been a collective, sustained time of grief, grief these past few years. And so God, even as I put my, my hand over my heart right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and make haste to comfort us. 
You know everybody that is here. You know the grief that they are holding. You know the triggers. You know the trauma that this might um, remind us of or awaken us. And so Holy Spirit, come like a mother and surround us like a, like a mother hen. Because I think it was Malika said that we need to be held right now. So hold us, Spirit. You who are the Spirit of the living God, hold us tender, hold us close, hold us near. And Jesus, you who took on flesh, you who took on body, you who had skin and bones and blood and breath, Jesus, you who are well acquainted with our grief, you who were moved by compassion, help us as your church to be moved by mercy. If we are to be moved by the spirit of the living God, may we be moved by the compassion of Christ who saw the multitudes and felt compassion, the word says, because they were lacerated and beat up like sheep without a shepherd telling them, you belong, you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be safe. Because he saw that their bodies were not safe. And so Jesus, come close and draw near. Care for our bodies this week, help us listen to our bodies and then help us, help us move as you move us to advocate, as you move us to live into your life, love and justice, help us to move, but help us to be moved by your wind, not by, I, not by our whimsy. Help us to be moved by you, Holy Spirit, you who hover over the chaos of injustice. Oh, before there was a word of God, there was a wind of God. We need this wind today a wind of refreshment, a wind of restoration, a wind of healing, a wind of protection, a wind of challenge, a wind of conviction, moved to follow Jesus into life and love and justice. May they be our guides. May they be our best friends. The life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the justice of Jesus. And God, even as I stand here at the foot of the cross, knowing there's no hierarchy because I'm at the foot of the cross like everybody else here. But do give us guidance, God, as how to become a beloved community that hopes to live into the life, love, and justice of Jesus, probably very imperfectly. We probably will never fully arrive, God. But may we be moved by courage, compassion, humility, conviction, love, mercy. God, we love you with an undying love.